This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, so today, uh, you know, as I talked about a second ago, we're in 21 days of prayer right now and kind of seven days in. And uh, hopefully you've had an opportunity to kind of have that relationship with God and start building that relationship. Well, the 21 days of prayer is really, really important because coming out of the summer, if you're like me, you're on vacation, you're taking trips, and it's just not easy to get back in the, it's not easy to get back in the flow of things and kind of in the vibe. And so what we like to do in January and August, Pastor Tommy has strategically set up these times to help us re-engage and refocus our time uh, on worshiping God and on getting closer to him. And so in the process of thinking about that, we, Pastor Tommy, uh, suggested or had us start this series called Closer. And so uh, knowing that I would be speaking last week, uh, I started out the series Closer, uh, you know, week number one. And then here today, we're going to continue week number two of Closer. Well, last week, we talked about what God really wants. What does God really want? And we learned a couple of things. We learned that we all worship something. The reality is we all worship something. And worship is our response to what we value. Now, it's okay to value family, of course. It's okay to value our children. It's okay to value, it's, it's a good thing to value those things. It's okay to value sports. I value sports. I love sports. That's okay. It's, it's okay to value our hobbies. But what we learned is that God gets a little upset. He's a jealous God because he's earned the right to be number one in our lives when we allow something else to get on top of him, to, to take over the number one spot. And so we talked about what he really wants. Well, what does he really want? He really wants a relationship with us. And he wants, him, he wants to be number one in our relationships. He wants to be number one. So today, number, part number two, we're going to answer the question and kind of take it a little bit further. We know what God wants. Now let's talk about why. And so we're going to answer the question, why was I made? I know, all right, we talked about I was created to worship, but why? What's the details of it? So for me... I'm generally a life application style preacher. I like to give you one, two, three steps, take these home, apply them to your life, and God's going to bless. And, uh, but I also enjoy teaching. I enjoy communicating information. I enjoy giving out information. Um, I talk really fast when I'm giving out information because I'm excited, because I'm usually like, oh, this is awesome. And so I'm just sharing it as fast as I can. So y'all bear with me. And I tell this joke all the time. I'm just, I'm encouraging you to listen faster, okay? So listen faster, process things faster. We'll be all right. I'm trying to stretch you as people. So, uh, but in this today, it's going to be a little different. It's going to be kind of teachy. We're going to talk some, some theological stuff, but I promise you it'll be worth it. My, my goal is to be able to communicate it in a way that's engaging, entertaining, or not just entertaining, but engaging, entertaining, and it's something that you can receive and take home with you today. And so this will apply to whether you're like a straight to the point person. There's two kinds of people. There's straight to the point people, people that are just like, all right, tell me, the, tell me, tell me what I need to do, and I'm going to go do it. And there's some people that are beat around the bush people. They want to know the details. They want to know everything about it. They want to know why. And they keep asking why. Well, no matter which side of the track you're on, I think this will apply to you. Now, what's crazy is you'll never see two beat around the bush people getting married, and you'll never see two straight to the point people getting married. Do you want to know why? Because two beat around the bush people will never get around to it. <laughs> Sorry. My cheesy preacher joke. I was just trying to get you guys to laugh. It's okay to laugh at church, right? All right, so let's talk about why. Why am I here? What a big question. Why was I made? 
That's crazy to think about. So we talk about here at Calvary the importance of discovering our purpose and making a difference. That's, that's what we do. That's why. But let's talk about the big picture of why I was made. Why am I here? Why was I created? Well, if you're like my daughters, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and they are absolutely beautiful and amazing and smart, intelligent. I love them to death. They're the best little girls on the planet, but I am a little biased. So, But they're amazing, and they ask questions nonstop. Questions and questions and questions and questions. Like, I'm sitting in the car, I've had a long day, I'm trying to just like listen to music and relax, and from the back seat I hear, Daddy, why this? Daddy, why that? And I'm like, just want to be quiet, please. But they ask questions. Why? Because they're inquisitive. They want to know. They want to know what's happening, what's going on. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why do we sleep in beds? Why do we have to eat vegetables? Why do I have to go to school? Why can't I stay up late? Why am I here? Has your kid ever asked, why am I here? Maybe as they get a little older, they will, but all these questions. Well, I enjoy asking questions. I enjoy learning. Learning is, is a great pursuit. It's a great thing. And so as I began to kind of grow in my, in my relationship with God and get to know him a little bit better, I started asking this question, why am I here? Why was I made? Big picture, why am I made? And uh, as I got closer to God, I feel like he began to speak to me and give me some understanding of what it was. And ultimately, I'm, I'm here for him. And I think we all know at the base of it, we are here for him. But like a kid, I wanted to know why. Why am I here for him? What caused it? Why, was I cre- why am I made? And, uh, you know, it intrigued me because it, I started diving in and kind of getting into this deep theological explanation of, of why. Well, in the process, today's sermon is not original content. I'll just be upfront and honest with you. I didn't come up with all this. This is a culmination from a couple of different uh, incredible preachers who I enjoy listening to, have, who have ministered in my life. And uh, so this is not original content, but my hope and prayer is that something that comes forth today will be a blessing to you and you'll be able to take with you an understanding why we were made. Why are we here? So to do that, I got to get a little teachy, all right? I got to teach. And so if you'll bear with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it engaging and help. In fact, the scriptures, I'm going to put them on the screen, so you'll be able to follow along, and we'll be able to talk together. But before we get there, we have to understand the structure of heaven. Heaven has a specific structure. I had coffee with a buddy this week, and we were sitting there talking, and we were talking about how much the corporate world gets ideas and inspiration from, from scripture and from the kingdom of God. Well, heaven is structured really just like your employer, just like your company is structured. So you have God, who is the CEO. He's the boss man. He's the president. He's, he runs it. He's the owner. Underneath him, you have archangels. Underneath him are the three archangels, and you have, uh, they're the VPs. They're the VPs, and they handle things and make things happen. And then underneath the archangels, you have all the other angels that do the bidding and the different levels and do different things. But I want to focus today for just a few minutes as we kind of set the foundation and get rolling on archangels. These archangels, they're the boss angels. They're the VPs. They're the ones that, that make things go. God speaks to them and they make things happen. So there are three archangels mentioned in scripture. The first is Michael. Michael is the prayer archangel. He's the VP of prayer. So for example, if I pray and I have a need and I say, God, I need this. Michael then says, all right, I hear your prayer, and he dispatches an angel to come meet the need or to do whatever needs to be done. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's praying and needs message from an, from an angel, message from God. So Michael sends, an, or sends a, an angel to go to Daniel to deliver the message. When the process, the angel gets caught up fighting and warring with the enemy, and so he calls out to Michael, the archangel, and Michael, the archangel, comes to his defense, 
takes care of it, and allows the angel to go through to Daniel. That's similar to what happens to us. Michael is like the super, like, warring, mighty, powerful archangel. I mean, he's absolutely amazing. Some of you, that might scare you, and you're like, oh, man, what is that all about? Some of you might inspire you. I mean, I think it's pretty cool to have, like, this super warrior archangel on my behalf standing next to me. Like, tell me what Thor and Iron Man have to say about that, right? You know? How cool to see the Avengers team up with Michael the Archangel. How cool would that be? That'd be a cool movie. So we have Ar- Michael the Archangel, who is the VP of prayer. Second, you have Gabriel. Gabriel is the VP of the word. He's the one that, he's the messenger angel. He's the one that God says this, and he delivers the message from God to the individual. Gabriel's famous, obviously, for his role in the Christmas story. He comes to Mary and says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. You've never known a man. Good luck with that. And, uh... So if Gabriel comes to you and delivers a message to you, be prepared because it's going to happen because it's from God and it might be a little scary, might stretch you a little bit. If that actually happened, please come talk to me. I want to hear that story. And so you have Michael, VP of prayer, Gabriel, VP of the word, and then you have Lucifer. Lucifer is the third archangel mentioned in scripture. Lucifer is the VP of worship. His role is to run all of the worship in the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk about Lucifer just a little bit more here in just a second, but I want you to put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it. I want to give you a little quick little side thing. So the structure of heaven is structured in, in, in thirds. You have prayer, you have word, and you have worship. These are the three, this is the structure of heaven, these three areas. On a Sunday morning in a Sunday morning service, we have three elements. Do you know what they are? Prayer, word, and worship. In our personal time, if you're learning how to, trying to figure out how to do these 21 days of prayer and what do I need to do and you're just getting started, here's my suggestion. Spend five minutes praying, spend five minutes reading the word of God, and spend five minutes in worship, and you will have an amazing personal time with God. So, nice little side note. Pretty cool. So, the structure of heaven is structured like this, and it's absolutely beautiful, and it's amazing, and things are going great, but then all of a sudden, bam, it changed. What changed? What happened? This is where we're going to spend a few minutes today talking about the change and what happened. You see, one of the archangels got confused. He became a fool. Lucifer. And so uh, we're going to read about Lucifer and his transition and what happened and how he became a fool in two different places. First is Isaiah chapter 14, and second is Ezekiel 28. If you'd like to follow along, you're more than welcome to. I will have the scriptures on the screen for you, so we'll be able to read from there as well. So Let's jump to Isaiah chapter 14. And before we get rolling and started in it, I want to I reference something. If you read up in Isaiah chapter 14, you'll see in that scripture, in that chapter, that it's written to the king of Babylon. Now, you'll see quickly once we start reading that it's not really written to the king of Babylon. Okay? So what happens is many times in scripture, something will be said to an individual, to a human, but it's not directed to that human. It's directed to the spirit behind the human. For example... Jesus, hanging out with Peter. Peter says something dumb, and he looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, Jesus isn't talking to Peter. He's talking to the spirit, the attitude behind Peter and what's going on. So in this scripture, Isaiah 14, you'll see it's directed to the king of Babylon, but it's not for the king of Babylon. It's for Lucifer. So let's read. It says, Isaiah 14, 12, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. See, there you go, Lucifer. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. So Lucifer was an archangel. He gets shot down to earth, 
In the process, he's expelled from heaven. We then know him as Satan, as the devil, as the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of Christians. He's the serpent in the garden. He went from archangel to arch enemy. He is our arch enemy. Classic good versus bad. He's the bad guy. He gets kicked out of heaven, becomes the bad guy. So theologians believe that this actually took place in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. What's Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, if that's the case, Genesis 1-2 makes a little more sense now because it says, then darkness and void was upon the face of the earth. Well, what does that mean? Lucifer getting kicked out of heaven, what is he known for? Darkness and void and ugliness. And thankfully, verse 3, God steps in and says, all right, let's create light and darkness. Let's separate them. Let's get all this fixed. So remember that because that's important. We're going to come back to that in just a second. So let's talk about why. Why was Lucifer expelled from heaven? And it goes to the next verse in Isaiah 14. And you'll see I have some words highlighted. And I'm going to read those words with emphasis. And I want you to see if you can kind of catch what's being said with these words. You ready? So you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds I will make myself like the most high. You see the connection? Lucifer is saying, hey, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I want to be higher. I want to be better. I am the VP of worship. I want to be the CEO of heaven. And you can see that in this statement, the most high. Like of all the names for God he could have used, he used specifically the most high. He resents what God is getting because he sees it. He's the funnel for all the worship that God is giving. And he sees, why is all this going to him? Like, look at me. I'm amazing. You ever, you know, anytime we direct our focus off of, what, of, off of God and we put something else in, in number one, in the number one position, we're supporting Satan's attitude and mentality and what he's wanting to accomplish. That's why it's so important for us to keep God number one in our life. That's why it's important for our relationship to be number one. He earned the right to be number one. God earned the right to be number one. And so he deserves to be number one. Even, he even took Jesus, uh, Jesus to, the, to the wilderness and said, Hey, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of the earth. The, well, not only just worship, but bow down and worship. Why? Because he wanted to be above God. So this is the attitude. This is the mentality. This is what got him kicked out of heaven. His desire to be number one. His desire to be the top dog, to be CEO. So before we leave Isaiah 14, though, I want to jump up back up to verse number 11. So verse number 11 says, Your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. So that word, those two words, stringed instruments, are very, very important. So theologians believe that uh, he didn't just have, it was not like, hey, he's got a harp in his hand and he gets kicked out of heaven and so he takes his harp with him. Now, theologians believe that he was created with stringed instruments as a part of his being, as a part of who he was. It's really, really important. I want you to put a, put a pin in that and hold on to that because we're going to come back to that in just a second, okay? So now let's jump over to Ezekiel chapter 28. And again, same thing in Ezekiel chapter 28. It's written to the king of Tyre. It's written to an individual, but it's not about the individual. It's about the spirit behind the individual. And again, you'll see really quickly that it's written to Lucifer. So he says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in the Eden, the garden of God. See, Lucifer. 
Every precious stone adorned you. Ladies, this is your scripture, all right? When you need some new jewelry, come to this scripture. You can say, hey, even God's creation has beautiful stones. <laughs> Guys, you know you like giving it to them when they like, you open up the box and you're like, bam, look at this. And she's like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you don't know why the leg goes up, it just goes up. But like, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Even God feels the same way. Revelation says that when we get to be with him in, in eternity, we're going to be adorned with precious stones. So God loves giving beautiful stones. So ladies, there you go. Continuing on. And uh, every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, crystallite, emerald topaz, or emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli. I don't even know what that is. Turquoise and beryl. So there are all these beautiful, beautiful stones. He's adorned in precious stones. Basically, he was pretty. Like, he was a beautiful creature. But people, a lot of times, people think of Lucifer as like this, this red, short person with, with horns and a pitchfork and yellow eyes, and, and he talks weird like this, and he's trying to get Johnny to play a fiddle, you know? <laughs> Johnny won that golden fiddle. That's what people view him as. That's how he's viewed. But in reality, it sounds like he was pretty. It sounds like he was beautiful. In fact, it continues on. It says, your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. So this word, these words, setting and mountings, it just didn't quite click. And so this is in the NIV. So if you jump over to the King James Version, the King James Version says it's a little bit different. The King, J- King James Version calls these timbrels and pipes. Your settings are timbrels. Your settings are timbrels and your mountings are pipes. Keep that in mind. So, remember how I said put a pin in the stringed instruments? I want you to put a pin in this too. Keep this at like the forefront of your head. You guys are like, dear Lord, he's going to preach for five hours asking us to come back to all this stuff. Don't worry. I'll get you out of here in time, okay? So, continuing on. He says, you were anointed as guardian cherub. That cherub, that's a funny word. Like, I always think of like a little baby in a diaper sitting on a cloud with a little arrow. You know, kind of makes Lucifer a little less scary when you think of him like that, so... He said, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. And he says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. He was fulfilling his role. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, and you'll see the word trade highlighted, you were filled with violence and sin. So let's talk about this word trade. So this word trade, generally in our language, is I give you something, you give me something in return. That's a trade. But if you, we got to kind of understand that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in Greek. And to get the full understanding of a word, you go study the originations of the word, the Hebrew and Old Testament, the Greek and the New Testament. And so if you go back and study this word trade in the Old Testament, it's not the trade that we know. And there's not even really an English word for it. It would be kind of like this. Bishop Ron always looks amazing, and Bishop Ron, let's pretend that he owns a suit store. He could definitely own a suit store. He always looks that good. Let's pretend he owns a suit store. Well, I go to work for Bishop Ron selling suits. In the process, someone comes in and buys a $500 suit. Well, the general rule and idea is that $500 goes through me to the owner of the suit store. But instead, what this word means is, I'm going to take that $500, I'm going to put $100 in my pocket and pass on $400 to the owner. So if you think about the context of the scripture here, what Lucifer is doing is saying, hey, all this worship is supposed to go to God, 
but I'm going to keep a little for myself and hold on to a little bit. It says, through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So remember, you know, the scripture, we probably all heard it, or the saying, you know, pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall. This is it. This is it in real life. This is pride taking over Lucifer and him wanting to put himself above God. So here we go. It says, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud, there we go, on account of your beauty and your corrupted wisdom because of your splendor. Again, remember back to Romans from last week? They got confused. They put other things on top, and wisdom became foolish. Same thing happened to Lucifer. Verse 7, so I threw you to the earth. Sorry, not verse 7, but next verse. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. So Jesus even discusses this in the New Testament. His disciples are all excited because they've been out and telling people about him and, and like people are listening to him and like, you know, in the spiritual world, all the, the devils are running and, and things and they come back to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, like your name is powerful. Your name is legit. We sing about it today. There's power in your name. And Jesus, I can just imagine him kind of leaning back and saying, well, duh. And they're like, all right, why? Well, because way back in the day, my dad kicked Satan out of heaven and I saw him fall like lightning. Bam, done, over with. Like, I can just kind of imagine Jesus being a little proud about that. He's like, yeah, my dad's the boss. My dad's the man. And people always think there were these two, like, super, super beings, like, fighting it out. And God was fighting and Lucifer was fighting. And they were, like, bouncing and getting ready and, you know, getting ready to box. That's not how it happened. Like, God literally said, you're an idiot. Bam, done, from heaven to earth, like lightning. Just kind of a quick reminder how awesome our God is, like, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, our God is strong enough to defeat him. So, pretty cool. It's not Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, all right? It's not going to take three two-hour movies to, to make it happen, you know, to get to a resolution, I promise. If this was a movie, it would literally last one millisecond, all right? That quick. That's awesome. So when all of this took place, there was an imbalance in heaven. The structure of heaven was messed up. There was an imbalance in the force. You guys catching my Star Wars references? Sorry. There was an imbalance in the force. Something was wrong. So we were created to bring balance to the force. We were created to rebound, to return structure to the kingdom of heaven. That's why I was created. That's why I'm here. I'm here to bring structure. I'm here to replace Lucifer. Pretty awesome, isn't it? I love diving deeper and finding out a little bit more. So you guys okay with diving deeper, finding out a little bit more? Now, these are also some life application stuff that you can take with you, so don't worry, all right? I will give you some of that. There's three truths I want you to to leave today knowing about why you were made. Number one, I was made from him. We were made for him, but I was also made from him. So let's go back to the creation story. We talked about Genesis 1. Let's go back to it. So in, in, the, in the creation story over Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there were things that were created and there were things that were made. So what's the difference? Creation, things that were created come from nothing. God created the heavens and the earth. Only God in his fullness can truly create things. Us as humans cannot create things because there is nothing new under the sun. God created the heavens and the earth. So there's creation. But the second part of it is there were things that were made. God made things. 
What is something that's made? It's something that was formed from what already existed. If you give me a pot, if you give me some clay, I can make a pot. I made a pot. Okay? So let's go to Genesis 1, 11. It says, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and tr- trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to, this various, to, according to the various kinds. So let's talk about that. God didn't create trees. The land made trees. God spoke to the land and said, you make a tree. Well, what does that mean? God made things. This is important for us to get for the rest of our time today. When something was made from something else, it was made to have a relationship with it. For example, let's take that tree. That tree was made from dirt. It is sustained by dirt. It will return to dirt. God looks at the tree and says, hey, tree, you stay close to the dirt. If you ever leave the dirt, you will die. So let's take that a little bit further in the story of creation. God creates Adam. He puts Adam to sleep. says, all right, Adam, go to sleep. Adam loses a rib. He wakes up and goes, whoa, man. (laughs) Sorry. I had to continue with the cheesy preacher jokes. I'm sorry. And that's how a woman got her name. So why did God do this? Why did this happen? Because he wanted man and woman, husband and wife, to have a relationship, to be close to one another. So wait a second. So you're telling me, wait, I thought I was made from the dirt of the ground, not from God. That's true, in part. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Me, this body right here, I am formed from the dust of the ground. Why? Because God wanted mankind to have a relationship with the earth. I was made from dirt. I am sustained by dirt. Vegetables and fruits, they come from the ground. I will return to dirt when I die. But it doesn't, the scripture doesn't stop there. It continues on. It says, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So, I have a body. I also have a spirit man. My spirit man was created, was made from God's breath. I was made to have a relationship with him. I am made from him. I am sustained by him. And when I'm done, I will return to him. That's why Jesus says man cannot live by bread alone. He understands that there's something more inside of me that has to have a relationship with him, that has to be close to him. That's the reason for the series Closer. We also understand that the wages of sin is death. Well, what does sin do? Sin separates us from God. So number one, I was made from him. Number two, the second truth to take with you today is I was made for relationship with him. See, there are too many ungenuine relationships in Christianity today. This is not what God intended. In fact, in Matthew 7, 21, it's kind of scary to think about. But Jesus says that many are going to get to heaven and they're going to say, you know, Lord, I I did things for you. I was there. I was at church. I gave. But he's going to say, I'm sorry. I never knew you. I didn't know you. You weren't close to me. 
You thought I wanted attendance? You thought I wanted your money? You thought I wanted you to serve? Yes, I mean, those are good things and I want those from you. But what I really want is a relationship with you. I had a misunderstanding of this early in my life, early in my childhood and, and, and through my early Christian life. You know, I had perfect attendance. I, I don't remember missing a Sunday of church from, from the day I was, I was born until, until my honeymoon, really. My wife was like, it's okay, we don't have to go to church on our honeymoon. And I was like, I don't know, we need to find a church. So she was like, we're not going to church on our honeymoon, all right? Now I'm like, let's go on vacation on a Sunday. But I, I, I don't remember missing a Sunday in my life. And beyond that, I, I played in the band. I, was, I, I played drums and guitar and bass and keys. I, I loved playing music, and I, I played on the worship band. I even led worship. You guys are thinking, that guy led worship? Yes, I led worship. Y'all are much better off today, I promise you. Stacy, you did an amazing job. Much better. I even preached messages. I preached sermons from Scripture, from God's Word. But I didn't really know him. Thankfully, finally, God got through this hard noggin because of the prayer of some people that, that really matter in my life and, and influence from people that really matter. And I, I think I, I started kind of figuring it out. And I started thinking, hey, wait a second. I need to have a relationship with him. Remember our final point from last week? The final point from last week was God wants a relationship with me. See, Christianity is not about religion. It's not about following a certain set of footsteps to get to heaven. It's about true, genuine relationship. That's our focus here at Calvary Church. When you, if you walk out these doors and go down either side, you'll see four squares. And what do they say? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Our number one focus at Calvary Church is helping people know God. I'm so thankful to Pastor Tommy for creating that vision here, giving us an opportunity to help people know him. It's important for us to know God. So there's an example of this in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Now, when I read this, you guys are going to be like, wait a second. I hear this at weddings all the time. What does all this mean? I'll explain. Don't worry. Can you put that up? Ephesians 5, 31, please. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, get married. Whatever. But let's go to the next Scripture because that's not what it's about. The next Scripture says, this is a profound mystery. Here's where it's important. I am talking about Christ and the church. I'm not talking about a marriage. I mean, yes, that's the example, that's the analogy, but I'm really talking about Christ and the church. So what's he saying? He's saying, you know those two lovebirds that are so excited to be married and they're, they're about to go on their honeymoon and they're going to not go to church on Sunday and, you know, they can't wait to be with each other. You know, he bought her flowers and she bought him food because we all know that the belly is the way to the heart. And, you know, it's, it, do, you, do you know about that? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? He's saying, that's what I really want. He said, I never intended for, for groups of people to just get together, put on their Sunday best, sing a few songs, hear from a goofy redheaded preacher, and then come back and do it all over again. That's not the intention. That's not why people were created. And what's happened is it's caused a misconception of heaven, of what heaven's going to be like. Like, if you're like me, I kind of grew up thinking, oh, we're going to be in heaven, and like, we're going to be like in a choir, and we're going to be singing these weird, oh songs and this you know we're just gonna be like down in our face for 10,000 years not able to look up because you know he's so majestic and beautiful and that's not what it's really going to be like he doesn't want that in fact he has an angel right now right this moment going holy 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 God's probably like holy 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 he doesn't want that 
Or we think, hey, we're going to get this little bit of harp, we're going to be this little fat baby sitting on a cloud, and we're going to like play music for Jesus. That's not what heaven's going to be like. In fact, it says when we get there, we're going to walk the aisle with Jesus. The church is going to be his bride. We're going to be wed with him. And then we're going to have a reception called the marriage supper of the lamb. And we're going to have little smokies cooked in sweet baby raised barbecue sauce. And the little, the little cheese, cheese cubes with toothpicks in them. And then we're going to have some cake. And then we're going to do the cha-cha slide, right? And that every reception has to have the cha-cha slide, right? I don't know if that's all really going to happen, but it's fun to think about. We are going to be wed with him. He doesn't want us just bowing on our knees and our faces in the ground singing holy, holy, holy for 10,000 years. He wants relationship. He wants to talk to us. He wants to have interaction with us. God sees you as someone he wants to be intimately close with. That's why we were made from him. So we were made from him. We were made for relationship with him. And then the third one, the third truth that I want you to take away is I was made to express love to him. It's as simple and beautiful as that. I was made to express love back to him. He wants us to love him back. So beautiful, so simple. In fact, we can break it down in John chapter 4, verse 23. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. So I want to take a time out here. Remember we talked a second ago that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek? So if you go back to the Greek and study the scripture, there's no real word in the English language. There was no real word in the English language when the Bible was translated from Greek to King James for the word worship. Worship is a made-up word. And so if you study the word, if you'll put the next slide up there for me, the next word is proskuneo in the Greek. It's a verb. It's an action word. Meaning to, wait a second, when I saw this, when I saw what this word was, not going to lie, it blew my mind. Like, I saw it and I was like, this is incredible. What a revelation from God about this. Now think I'm being sarcastic, right? Well, I am being a little sarcastic, but also a little true. You ready? You want to see what the word is? Put it up there. It's the verb meaning to kiss. You guys are like, wait a second. God wants me to kiss him? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, he wants me to kiss him. It's not the kiss that you guys think. It's not like, like a husband and wife or like lovers would kiss. You ready for this? It's related to the kiss of a dog on a human's hand, on his master's hand. You're like, wait a second, you're comparing me to a dog? Yes, I am comparing you to a dog. And here's why. We can learn a lot from dogs. You ready? Check this out. Today, when I leave church, this afternoon, and I go home, my garage is going to go up. And I'm going to pull my car into my garage. And when I turn off my car, I'm going to hear a sound. And it's going to be, yip, 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 yip. <laughs> It's going to be my white little miniature schnauzer named Bailey, so excited to see us home. So I'm going to walk in the door, because I usually walk in first. I have the key, and she knows how to interact with me. She knows I don't like her jumping on me and all that kind of stuff. So you know what she's going to do? She's going to take her little cold, wet nose and put it on my leg. She just touches me with her nose. That's her thank you or hi, I'm happy to see you. 
But then instantly, she's going to take off running and go see Catherine and my two girls, Amy and Whitney. And she's going to jump all over them and she's going to lick on them and she's going to love all them. And then as the day goes on and we go to take our naps or do whatever else we're going to do, you know what Bailey's going to do? She's going to be right by our side. No matter what room we're in, she's never by, she's always by our side. We can learn a lot from dogs. You can't learn much from cats. You don't own a cat. A cat owns you, okay? I heard a comedian say, the way to tell which, who loves you more, your, your dog or your wife, is you stick both of them in a trunk for an hour and then go back and see them. And whichever one's happy to see you is the one that loves you the most. Don't do that, please. Not a good idea. You will really need to go buy some precious jewels after that, all right? But this is how God views us. This is what worship, that word worship really means. It's us excited to see him. Oh, it's Sunday morning. I can't wait to get up and go to the church. I'm going to be the first one there, and I'm going to get to the pew, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to spend time with him. Oh, I get to wake up tomorrow and talk to the God of the universe. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to spend time with him. This is what God is looking for. This is what he means when he says true worshipers. Not us who come in on Sunday mornings and just raise our hands for a few minutes. He wants true worship. Somebody happy to see him. I was made from him. I was made for relationship with him and I was made to express love to him. And in closing today, I'm thankful that the musicians are up here a little early before I asked them. And here's why. Because up here, the musicians are here and they're playing musical instruments. And there are three kinds of musical instruments. All instruments fall into three categories. Number one, it's a string instrument. Guitar, bass, string instruments. Piano is kind of a hybrid. It's a part string instrument. And it's also part of the second category of instruments, which is a percussion instrument. You hit keys, and the keys hit the strings, which makes the sound. And then the third type of instrument is a wind instrument. Think of like a, uh, a saxophone or a trombone or a flute or even a pipe organ. You play a pipe organ. Wind blows through the pipes to make the sound. Well, remember earlier in the day I asked you to remember three things about Lucifer? You know what those three things are? He was created with three things. Number one, he was created with a stringed instrument in his being. Number two, he was created with a timbrel, which is percussion. It's like a cymbal. And then number three, he was made with pipes. Lucifer was created with all three forms of instrument in his being. He was made to worship God. He was made to keep the structure of heaven in place. But he got prideful and he got kicked out. So God had to figure something out. Did you know that you and I are created with a stringed instrument in us? Our vocal cords, we call them vocal cords, they're strings. You know what that is? It's percussion. We were created with percussion. And then what did God do in, in the Garden of Eden? He breathed the breath of life into us. And now wind goes over our vocal cords to create these beautiful sounds. So you want to know why you were made? You were made to be heaven's new worship leader. 
We were made to be heaven's new worship leader. We were made to bring structure to the kingdom of God in our everyday lives. If it's true that heaven, that, that, that Lucifer was kicked out of heaven between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2, then I kind of got creative and I started imagining and thinking what it would be like. And I can just see the devil, the serpent there in the garden, him just like talking all kinds of smack to God. Like, hey God, who's going to worship you now, huh? What's it look like now? What's, what's going on now? And I can just imagine him talking and God kind of getting this cheesy grin on his face and smirk and he just leans down and he goes, starts forming in the dirt. And he gets up here and goes, yeah, that's good. And the devil's still kind of talking smack. He's like, yeah, well, what is that? What are you making? You don't, even, you don't even know what you're making. What is that? And the God just goes, yeah, let's do this, create this. Same thing on this side, create this. And the devil's like, what are you doing? You're crazy. What is going on? And then I can just imagine God's taking a step back and saying, watch this. And he goes, and breathe the breath of life into man. And says, you know what? Sure, you made a dumb decision. You messed things up. But devil, that's my new worship leader. That's who's taking your place. That's who is, that's who is gonna worship me. That's who I'm gonna spend eternity with in heaven, having relationship with. We were created to be heaven's worship leaders. I invite you to stand with me. You know, I always uh, just was so inquisitive, why God, why this, why, why were we created, what is the purpose, why, why, why? And I'm so thankful that I got to go on this journey to understand why I'm here, why I was created. I was created to worship him. I was created to bring him glory. Not just on Sunday morning, but every day of my life, I was created to worship Him. And so I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And some of you here may be saying, you know, I, I know I was made from, from Him. I know I'm supposed to have a relationship with Him, but I haven't really been, been as close to Him as I should be. Now is the time to make that decision. Now is the time to get closer to him, or, or maybe you're saying, you know, I know I was made for relationship, but I don't really know him. I come to church on Sunday, and I, I do the deal, I do the routine, but I don't really know him. Or maybe you say, I know him, and I have a little bit of a relationship, but I'm not expressing the love that I should. Now is the time to get closer. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to say a prayer, and I can't pray for you. It has to come from your heart. You have to mean it but I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you need help with words, use my words. But during this time, I invite you, I encourage you to pray a prayer to God, to pray to Him. And then when I'm done praying, the praise team's gonna lead us in worship for a few minutes. And take this opportunity just to worship for a minute, just to have interaction with Him. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for being here, God. I thank you for making me. You created me to worship you. And so, God, I make the decision today, right here, right now, to worship you. I was created to worship. And so I worship you today. I know I live my life out in worship every single day. But, God, right now, in this moment, I'm going to worship you with my voice, with my vocal cords, with my hands. 
I'm going to worship you with my wind. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to be your worship leader in this moment.